Wow. So joining me today is Anthony Meekles, uh, an old friend of mine. Uh, we've never met before until today. And what a fantastic uh, opportunity it's been to see you, right, Anthony. Great to see you. Absolutely. Likewise, uh, Lawrence. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're currently on a bit of an adventure through um, the lowlands, is it? Yeah, the low countries. The low yeah. countries, yeah, yeah. Benelux. And um, we did um, Anthony, sorry, we did um, Matthias Desmond yesterday. And Anthony kindly came to meet us in uh, Rosen. Rosendahl. Rosendahl. Yeah. Yeah, which is like a little border town uh, between Belgium and um, and the Netherlands. And we found a nice little spot here in the town centre. We're enjoying some some Dutch beer. Yeah. Well, Belgium, but... Uh... Uh, oh, Belgian beer, okay. <laughs> right, but um, a little bit stronger than the beer back home. And let's see how this uh, helps the podcast go along a little bit smoothly. Um, yeah, so how we know each other, we go back quite a long way. And... Um, I think we first started discussing ideas of um, monetary issues and currency. Must have been about two thousand and fourteen, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember when I went through a, a particularly challenging period in which I was uh, attacked by, you know, various forces and the media and stuff. And uh, you were the one of the guys that stood by me, and I'll never forget that. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, because that was a real moment of truth for me. Well, who was who's still standing? You know, who's still in the crew? And uh, you were one of them, and it was uh, always a great honor to me, and I always, you know, thank you for that. That's um, good to hear. Yeah, and uh, we, we've had lots of discussions over the years, haven't we, uh, about various monetary issues, and, and that's what you're famous for, is uh, you have a blog called Real Currencies. Yes. Yeah, and you focused on um, usury, uh, interest-free currencies, the history of um, central banking, and you've made fantastic blogs, really insightful, posts about what's really going on with the monetary supply and the whole bigger agenda behind the scenes. Uh, and I know now you've got your own currency in Holland, which is... The Florine. I wasn't going to mangle that um, <laughs> word, so I thought I'd best leave it for you. Uh, the Florine. Yeah, and the Florine is uh, is unique in Holland because it's an interest-free currency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that, I think, uh, a little bit later on, but I think we should begin uh, this discussion with a topic that seems to be red hot at the moment and is on the, the tip of everyone's tongue and you know, is creating quite a lot of frustration and anger and uh, you know fury across the West, which is inflation. Yeah. Now, we're told constantly that inflation is running away with you know, 8%, 9%, but that's only for currency inflation. There's also asset inflation that we don't know about. Now, um, generally, people don't really understand what inflation is other than they go to shops, uh, the, the products that they were buying a week before have now increased 10%, 20%, but wages haven't. So I think that's probably a good place for us to begin. Anthony, um, could you tell us what's going on? What the hell is going on with inflation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let, let me tell you what's going on. And basically what's, uh, what's going on is that the credit crunch has returned. And this basically happened in September 2019. And there was a uh, financial crisis at the repo market in, uh, in September tw uh, 2019. And that's when the money printing in the United States restarted. And that's also uh, what I'd been waiting for for years, because uh, as a monetary reformer, I'd, I'd been aware that the credit crunch was going to get back, come back with a vengeance at some point. And uh, I, I always knew that uh, the shit was going to hit the fan uh, when the money printing in the United States was going to be restarted. So that, that happened in September 2019. And then in... Uh, in March, they gave the bank a mega bailout because it's also good to understand that the lockdown started in the weekend 
that the bank got a four trillion dollar bill out. So uh, these guys, obviously, they create all the problems and then they give them a bag of money as a reward. Mm -hmm. So, um, at that, and, and people don't like that. People don't like bailouts for banks. We had uh, Occupy Wall Street in the aftermath of the credit crunch in, um, 10 years ago or so. And uh, to prevent that, that's why they locked us down. That's, that's basically what, uh, what, what actually happened. And uh, well, what, what's the problem with the credit crunch? Um, we have this fiat system. Eh? I don't really like that term, but I'll use it because people know what I mean. Banks can create money when, they, when you take out a loan. And in this particular system, money has to grow about 8% per year. And if, that, uh, if, if, uh, if money has to grow with 8% per year, then debt must grow with 8% per year because our money is debt. And um, over the last 50 years, debt has been growing exponentially with this 8% rate. And exponential growth, I can sh I'll show you in the, <laughs> the camera here, it looks something like this. And this is the, this is the graph of exponential growth. to the moon. And in the early stages, it goes easy, then it goes quicker and quicker. And then at some point it becomes really steep. And if you look at the debt graph of the United States and the West, it looks exactly like this. And we're now in the very steep phase and it's now completely unsustainable. Debt growth in the West is completely unsustainable, but if it doesn't grow, then, uh, we have deflation. I'll, I won't get, go into to that too deeply. But well, I uh, think deflation is an important topic for us to discuss. But before we get there, yeah. if, 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 for laymen who um, don't have an idea about monetary policy, is inflation simply printing more money? Yeah, I can't, you, you, um, this is very important. Uh, we get manipulated with words. So they, 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 they manipulate the meaning of words. And, and inflation originally meant a rising money supply, a growing money supply. And this is very important to understand. Later, it was turned into rising prices, but rising prices is a result yeah. of growing money. And that's very important because they want to uh, confuse you with this. Mm -hmm. But what's going on is if you have this, this is our money growth. So that's pure inflation. We have had pure inflation for 50 years now with growing debt in the West since. So just pumping more money into the economy, printing more money, just yeah. that's inflation. And then what happened in 2020 is that the economy could no longer take on enough debt to keep this 8% money growth per year in the West going. And that's why the Federal Reserve had to step in to keep this growth going. Otherwise, we're just going to have a, a, a deflationary collapse immediately. So uh, that's when they started printing this money, but they printed too much. And they did this on purpose because they know exactly how much they needed to print because there's no, there's no, there are no accidents in banking. Mm -hmm. Um, but they did this and, uh, and this resulted in asset price inflation. So, uh, a real estate went through the roof. So there's uh, two types of inflation. There's currency inflation and there's asset inflation. Yeah. You have, is there much of a difference between the two or is it basically the same concept? Yeah. 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 You have two, basically two economies. You have the financial economy where all the speculation takes place, the stock exchange, uh, all that kind of stuff, the making with money, money with money, uh, schemes basically. And you have the real economy where people work. And uh, the financial economy exists uh, to um, exist all the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all the production takes place in the real economy, and the, and the financial guys they're in the business of raking in this production and and disowning the working people and the, and the entrepreneurs of their production. And um, but uh, if uh, what they have managed to do with quantitative easing uh, over the last fifteen years or so, ever, ever since the crunch started in two thousand eight is that uh, they, they print money, but it all goes into the financial system. It doesn't really leak into the real economy. The real economy remains strapped for cash always. Because that's what we're told, isn't it? That the quantitative easing will 
uh, give the banks liquidity, which then trickles down into the you know uh, economy that we use, but we never see that money. No, no. The 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 the, the very lame story is uh, we need to bail out the banks so that they can can keep lending and uh, and provide money to the real economy. But if you're going to print trillions and trillions and trillions, you might as well give it directly to the people. Yeah. You know, yeah. they could have done that as well, but obviously. We're not part of the club, mm-hmm. so the money goes to the club. That's the way it is. But they kept the money in the financial system and in the making money with money scene. So the asset prices go up while the real economy has, has normal prices. But now what we're seeing is that for all sorts of reasons, prices in the real economy are also rising. But that, it, that's not really inflation because that remains in the financial system. But um, um, that is more driven by energy prices. That's another way that bankers can create um, rising prices in the economy. They, they, this is a historical thing that every every major recession starts with rising energy prices, and they 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 control all prices. So with speculation and with bringing more money into that market, or with supply shocks, as we're seeing now. Eh? I mean, Putin invades the Ukraine. Um, the, the European Union shoots itself in, uh, itself in the head with um, energy boycotts or mm-hmm. uh, uh, sanctions against Russia, as a result of which we can't import gas anymore. We need that gas. Uh, gas prices in, uh, in Europe are now completely over the, the top. Roof, yeah. So uh, the, the, for, for producers, if you look at the producer price index in Germany, that's now up 30% over May. That's, that's a disastrous. But uh, it's all due to uh, rising energy prices. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's semi-complex. Uh, it's money printing in the financial system. But in the real economy, the rising price is mostly driven by rising energy so prices. A, a control of the supply and the increasing the demand. Yeah. You know, like they do with the diamonds. They sit on a mountain of diamonds and release them slowly to increase the price. Yeah. All these prices are yeah. manipulated and controlled. Yeah. So, so if, if inflation is um, by design, and not by accident, yeah. then who is designing it and what is the ultimate purpose? Because runaway inflation uh, ultimately will lead to an economic collapse because people simply can't afford the goods and services that are being offered, you know, amongst the economy. Just, mm-hmm. you know, they stop consuming, don't they, which is what ultimately they need to maintain this system. So who is designing it and what do you think is the end game? The the um, the larger picture is the wider picture is that um, what that there has been a world government behind the scenes for decades already, but uh, we're now uh, what has started with uh, when the money printing started again in uh, September two thousand nineteen is the uh, open manifestation of this world uh, world government within ten years before the end of this decade I expect that there will be an open world government, and the 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 main resistance against this world government are the Western states. And not the states, but the peoples of the West. We are used to a certain uh, level of consumption here, a certain standard of living, a certain standard of human rights. And these, the, the world government will be uh, by and for bankers and it will be a terrible tyranny. So it's, not, it's going to be extremely unpleasant. And um, uh, they need to, to, to destroy this opposition in the West against this world government because there's nobody in the West who's going to vote for a world government. So... What is coming now in the West is uh, first we have this inflation, but this okay, will... I just want to hang on. So I think we're, we're, we're speaking underneath a church and it's decided to ring some bells as we're, as we're chatting. So we'll just hang on until the bells ring. It might, it might be a good omen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be, be, before I walked past here before and they were playing, um, it was like a snooker tune. I've never heard a church do that before, so... Um, yeah, I think we'll wait till that finishes. We might get another hour, be or half an hour before the next tune comes along. 
Do you want to wind it back to? Yeah. So so um. <laughs> <laughs> That was it. Yeah, that was, uh, that was it. Uh, so, so um, we're we're heading now for this open world government, and um, they have to do, like, like I said, they're, they're, the opposition comes from the Western pe- peoples in the West. Uh, they, we don't. We, we have human rights here. We have a certain standard of living. That's all uh, anathema to the common world government. We all have to be brought down to to say something like Brazil level or something like that. Mm-hmm. And. Um, what we're having now is first inflation because of all the money printing in the United States, and that has gone too far. And of course, like I said, because of the uh, energy situation. But um, soon they will be using this inflation to sell what they really want, which is deflation. There's going to be a huge change in the monetary system soon. This debt growth, with growth, which is simply unsustainable, is going to be stopped at some point, and it's not, and it's not long from now either. Mm. So, uh, so that's a, that, that's interesting. Uh, the deflation now, uh, inflation is an esoteric subject, but deflation is even more esoteric. Mm. And how I understand it from a, a layman's point of view is that inflation simply means inflating the currency with by printing more cash. Therefore, it makes money cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the liquidity in the economy is high and therefore it's easy for people to trade. Exactly. Because there's lots of liquidity. But deflation, which is almost never talked about, is the opposite, where they remove um, currency from the economy yeah. and therefore the ability to trade becomes more difficult, defaults happen, and then the banks who lent money in the first place to a business step in and take the asset, the real asset, through the deflationary process. Exactly. Very much so. And, yeah. you know, uh, the, 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 the main thing is what you said about how uh, there's going to be a scarcity of liquidity in the economy. As a result, there's not enough money to have every, to, to finance everything. And that results into unemployment, um, bankruptcies of all sorts of businesses. And indeed, asset prices on a very low level with nobody having any money to pick them up. Except, except, bankers. For, <laughs> except for the filthy rich, yeah. you know, who run the banks and who create these inflations and deflations. So, and you must realize that the Great Depression was a deflation with 70%. Between 29 and 33, the money supply in the United States went down 70%. And that caused the Great Depression. That was the key cause of the Great Depression. And that's what's coming to the West as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, How does that benefit? How does the, a deflationary period benefit the, the bankers? I mean, what, what, what do they seek to gain from crashing and the destroying the economy? Is it so they can buy assets cheap? No, what, what is it? The, the, this is genocide what is now coming. I mean, I, mean I, I don't want to create a panic or whatever, but I'm, I, I've, I take a very grim view of the perspectives of the West in the coming years. What, what they have done with this 300 trillion debt bubble that we now have, because that's, that's what world debt that's, uh, currently stands at, 300 trillion. That's one three with 14 zeros behind it. Can never be paid off. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew it was never going to get paid off. Anybody with a clue anyway. And uh, why did they let it happen? Because this is a... This is basically nuclear warfare with financial means. What they, they have dropped a bomb on us now in the West, and uh, they, they this is first, the fallout. This is first they blew this bubble, and now they're going to deflate the whole debt in five years. That's what I think that they're intending. And um, you've seen the Deagle numbers, mm-hmm. and whatever you think of them, but uh, Deagle themselves always maintained. That um, that they so, so that that financial for anyone that hasn't seen the Deagle numbers, yeah. what, what what are they? Yeah, the Deagle numbers uh, were a projection of the population uh, of, of Western populations, and uh, they uh, predicted that the United States would go down from three hundred to hundred million inhabitants, and the United Kingdom from sixty million to fifteen million. So that's genocidal. That's that's depopulating, and uh, they're, they're simply uh, looking to completely. Mm. 
pummel the West. Mm -hmm. That's that's what's coming. Yeah. And the West has been in, in massive decline over a century already, yeah. Because in 1900, about a third of um, of, of the world pop was uh, was Westerner, so white. And then uh, currently, it's only nine percent, and our population is also very great. Mm. And also, um, about a quarter of uh, most uh, European peoples have been already replaced by migrants. Yes. So that's th these are all very grave signs of huge decline, and we're now facing a coup de grace. That's basically what's uh, what's up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well. Uh... You know that's that's not a very uh, positive prognosis, but you know the reality is isn't uh, nice, is it? You know, so okay, so the bankers are um, sitting astride the you know mountain and empire of debt that they've created, and uh, they're trying to move us into a deflationary period as a as a uh, you know a counter to this inflationary period we're in at the moment. And then you must understand that inflation and deflation are, are just simply two routes to hell. Yeah. And, and the obvious, uh, what we actually need, obviously, is stable money. There's nothing complicated about okay, this. We'll, we'll get to that now. But before we get to that, let's just focus a little bit longer on deflation. What is the, the mechanism? How we're, in, in the way that we know how they inflate the currency, they simply, you know, print me more money and more money gets printed out digitally or paper. It doesn't really matter. It's the concept we're talking about, isn't it? But we know how they inflate. How would they deflate? What's the mechanism, the tools, yeah. the, the methods they'd use for that? Besides usury, yeah, because the main purpose of my website has always been exposing usury and, and promoting interest-free credit as a solution. But um, um, another key purpose always has been exposing the coming new gold standard. And this is um, counterintuitive for many peop uh, people who read in the alternative media because it's all libertarianism and they promote gold as currency. And, uh, but they promote gold specifically because gold is very difficult to inflate, isn't it? Yeah, but then uh, libertarianism also sells deflation as the solution to inflation. But inflation and deflation are, are two banker devices, and um, it's, it's a completely controlled opposition. And uh, deflation is, is terrible for the common people and um, will lead to depression. And gold-based money is, is deflationary as hell. So we have had 50 years of inflation with this debt bubble that has gone totally out of control, and uh, this, must, this must be stopped. And everybody will be happy with, uh, with gold to stop this money growth because everybody now understands that this debt growth and this, uh, this, this credit bubble is insane, must be stopped. Uh, so, so gold, grand, you know, I mean... Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's the solution that's pre presented. But, but it will lead to a terrible deflation and depression. Yeah. And, and so, so how does, how does a, a gold standard... Uh, so if we've got trillions and trillions of debt and the bankers are saying, fuck you, pay me, that's my money, give me yeah. it back, right? Yeah. How would gold satisfy that insatiable desire of bankers for more, 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 more? Well, you know... We must be realistic at this stage. They own it all. Yeah. You know, so, and, 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 and. I mean, the Rothschilds have set gold price for the last 250 years on a daily basis. Yeah. And then, and, and the first thing that the Bank of England did, did when they were, when they were founded was, um, dump the tally sticks that the English yeah. King, uh, uh, used as money uh, in. Interest free, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. yeah it was yeah. just that free money that was created with these wooden sticks. Uh, yeah. So, uh, these were the tally sticks, but uh, the first thing that the Bank of England did was create a, uh, did was, uh, create a gold standard. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's how much bankers fear gold, like the uh, libertarians yeah. like to say. Mm -hmm. The gold money is banker money, and it's used to create deflations. And the fiat system was created to, uh, to, the, um, to create inflation. But both are banker devices, and what we need is stable money. Mm -hmm. So, um, and how does it work? I mean, uh, yeah, okay, uh, fiat money can just be printed at will. Yeah. Gold cannot. 
So uh, that's how they uh, will stop money growth. I see, yeah. So they'll just switch the economy from a fiat-based economy that's not backed by anything yeah. other than the good faith and credits of the people. Yeah. And they'll switch it to uh, a gold standard. Yeah. So currency will now be pegged and tracked to the price of gold. Yeah. And a dollar will be, you know, reimbursable for the same amount of gold, roughly. Something like that, because you, you can have gold standards in very different guises. Yeah. But uh, the, the the core of the monetary system will become gold again. And you can all already see it happening because uh, the ruble has been soft-pegged to gold mm -hmm. since the invasion, basically. So, uh, But hasn't that kept the ruble stable despite, you know, the attacks of the yeah, so, economy? So in, uh, the, the, the ruble collapsed uh, after the invasion and and now it's back yeah. on a, on a seven-year high against the dollar and it's, and it's now higher than before the invasion. Yeah. So... In that respect, it works. And, it, and it, uh, you can also manage for a while with a gold standard when you have plenty of gold. But uh, when you look at um, gold purchases over the last few decenniums, uh, decennia, then you will see that uh, especially America and Britain seem to be very low on gold, but um, especially uh, Russia and China. particularly China stocked up, are totally loaded with gold. Yeah. And they've been buying gold while the Fed has been suppressing gold prices. So... That's, you know, that's Would you say that's like a, a, a prophetic move by Russia and China? They know what's coming, therefore they're stocking up on gold? Yeah, they, they know, because, uh, but, but you shouldn't be optimistic about that because these, uh, China and Russia are also controlled by the same people and uh, they are using China and Russia now to basically annihilate the West. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can also see that this new gold standard that is coming that could well come from the East. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, okay, interesting. Um, okay, so so they're, they're kind of some of the problems we face, and then you know they seem insurmountable, and uh, they seem like what you say they've got the monopoly board well and truly sewn up, haven't they? But there are solutions, and there there is hope, but there always has to be hope. Um, and you're working on something that you know does provide some hope for people, yeah, um, and, and possible ways and ideas. Um, you've got an interest-free currency now. I read a book um, called um, The Banking Swindle by Kerry Bolton. Yeah. Fantastic book. Great uh, historical jaunt through um, governments and the people's struggle against usury. Yes. And usury being unearned income or, you know, uh, interest on money. It's yeah. difficult for people to get their heads around because it's an alien topic that's not discussed in any of our uh, public discourse. Mm. Um but in that book, he charts the, the, the struggles that we've had against usury and the various yes. tools, techniques, and methods we've used against the banks in order to try and push back at some level. Um, you know, there's historical examples in like places like Guernsey, uh, even Germany, and uh, other countries try to do interest-free money, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I stumbled on your work and your, your blog, Real Currencies. And since then, we've obviously chatted a lot about that now. You've got an interest-free currency, which you run in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, I've been talking to you about that for quite a while, and we lost touch during lockdown, and this is, you know, we've hooked up again now for mm. the first time in maybe 18 months, and first thing you said is, is the, the currency has um, got a foothold. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us about your currency, what it means, yeah. and um, how it's doing. Yeah. You know, um, the best thing would be that uh, that Western states uh, circulate superior money that we have than we have now, and eh? that that would be the best because if the government just creates a normal, a decent money money supply, that would be the best. But they're not doing that because they're in the bag of the creditor. I mean, all the all Western states have to borrow from the bank, so the bank is the boss in the West. So it's as simple as that. So that's not going to happen. But um, there's nothing stopping us really of creating our own currencies, and um, the main thing, the main Stumbling block, there are two big stumbling blocks in the first place. 
a really thorough analysis of what we need in a, in, a, in in future money for money for the twenty first century. The 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 current um, interest free currencies that we have worldwide are half baked, and I and I don't mean that in a mean way because I, I just want to stimulate them to become yeah. even better, but um, they're not good enough. Uh, for instance, many of these interest free either they can provide interest free credit or they are convertible to the dominant currency. And um, the, the florin is basically the first currency in the world that is both convertible to euro, uh, because we're here in Euroland, and um, uh, capable of providing interest-free credit. Mm-hmm. So we create money which is convertible to euro. And, th- and this is a huge breakthrough. And it's as simple as this. If, if everybody in the, in the Netherlands would start using the florin, we could refinance all that. And uh, we could give everybody an interest-free mortgage, so no more landlordism, which is also a really very negative way of uh, running your um, real estate market. Uh, everybody should be able to own his own home. That's 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 basically what we should want. And um, th- this would be possible. We could refinance national debt. No more usury, because usury, what is usury? Sim- simply uh, lending at interest. That That is what usury is, and that is what banking is. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem, lending at in- interest. Usury is the core problem, and we need interest-free credit, because the only solution to interest-bearing credit is interest-free credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so being devil's advocate here, how, why is it in my interest um, to lend money for free? You wouldn't be lending money for free because our foundation creates the money for free. Because the simple fact is this, and this is one of the one of the nastiest memes in the alternative media. They in the alternative media, it's always about money creation. That this is the problem. That banks create money, but the, but what you what people must start to get is this: the banks create all the money with simple bookkeeping, basically for zero cost because it's an ultra cheap mechanism. Next, uh, they bo- uh, they lend us a mortgage, say 200k mortgage, and and, and with normal interest rates of five percent. Last 15 years, we have had very low interest rates, but but that's because the debt bubble is at end of life. That's not the normal situation. Um, normally speaking, in capitalism, you have five percent interest rates, and um, that means that if such a 200,000 200, mortgage costs you ultimately about 250 to 300,000 in usury. Over the over the thirty years that you pay him back, so you pay back to two hundred k, and you pay two hundred to three hundred k in usury. So obviously, it would be very much in your interest uh, as a borrower, because because this is also very diff- important. You must not think as a creditor. Mm. We are debt slaves. Mm. Okay, we're not interested in stories why people need usury. Mm. We're interested in how how do we get rid of this usury because we're the suckers that pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we need to get in our minds. So the, the the productive people, working people, they need interest-free credits. Only bankers need usury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so um, with the Florine, yeah, you know, with the Florine, um, you said it's convertible to euro. Yeah, yeah. So it's convertible from an interest-free currency to a usury-based currency. Yeah, yeah. That transfer um, is there some problems with that? How does how does that work? Is that so you can trade? internally and then when you need to interact with the system exactly you can swap it yeah what you always have in this kind of system is an asymmetric um, <clears throat> allocation of the funds so at some point some businesses <clears throat> will have been making more of this unit than they can viably spend in the network and if you're not convertible then then they must stop ex- accepting your unit because you know if, if they can't viably spend them anymore mm-hmm. they have no interest in taking them in yeah so uh then and, and and these are your most successful players uh also uh, because there's they're, they're the ones making all the turnover so uh what you what you need then is is a, is a decent exit for them mm. 
So, 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 um, so it's convertible to euros. Um, what about, um, you know, uh, is there a limit to how much can be produced? You know, for instance, with a Bitcoin, 23 billion would be, or million no, would be produced. No, uh, there's no hard limit like Bitcoin, eh, which has a maximum of 21 million that can be mined. But um, obviously, uh, the, the, the value of money is a, is a function of the volume of money compared to the amount of the value of the transactions in the economy. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's obvious that if you and I start a currency and we print a million bucks and I spend that with you, that's, that's going to go nowhere. That money will be worth nothing because there's, there's simply not enough economic activity between the two of us. Yeah. So the, 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 the economic activity in the network the, um, decides how much money you can create. And therefore, um, this, and, this, and this is also our main challenge then, because we now have 2,700 um, participants in the Florijn, which fantastic. is, which is yeah. fantastic, yeah. but uh, we need far more because we need to create a lot of money for, to, to have more added value for the, for the participants, for the users of the money. So, so, so in, in this situation then, inflation, which what you're saying is that the Florijn can be inflated to whatever is required. Yeah, is, with stable prices. Right, okay, so that's what I was going to say. So inflation is not an issue if usury isn't, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, well, if, it, if, if there's a clear relation between the inflation of the money supply and the growing transactions in the economy. Yeah. So, th so that's, more that's money what is more, part. So I see. So the more transactions there is, the more liquidity is required yeah, from the currency exactly. in order to make sure that everything moves yeah. smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. And that those two are related to each other. Exactly. Yeah. So the the transactions determine how much liquidity is required from the currency. Exactly. And in these and in the decent monetary system, this is also why Bitcoin, this this twenty million, uh, twenty one million uh, max in Bitcoin is simply a bad idea. Uh, what you need is a flexible money supply that can be stable in terms of the amount of money versus the uh, value of the transactions in the economy. That needs to be stable. So if the, if the economy grows, the money supply must follow the transactions in the economy. And this is the other way around in the economy now, because what they do now is they they print money to create economic growth, and then they create a deflation to create a, a crash. That's what they do now. But then the monetary um, impulse drives the economic situation. In our system, it's the other way around. The economy grows on a natural level, and our money supply follows this uh, economic growth. Right. Um, so, um, um, usury, um, how do we... So, if, if usury is the fundamental root cause issue of the monetary system in the West currently, inflation, deflation, it's all, you know, noise to hide the true problem, which is usury. That's a, that's a core issue, usury. That's a core issue, right. So, um, previously, for, for instance, in, in Islam, usury is banned. I don't know if that's true or not. But, yeah, very much so, yeah. yeah. And it was in Christian, uh, Christendom yeah. for a thousand years. It was uh, punishable by death, I believe. I don't know. Well, yeah, you know, you, you wouldn't get a Christian burial. So, uh, for instance, in, in the medieval Europe, you had a thousand years of interest-free economics. But the problem was, I'll, I'll first tell you what the problem was, why we had a thousand years of interest-free um, economy. And, and in Britain, in 1500, so at the end of the interest-free era, a man, a working man in Britain, had to work only 15 weeks to feed his family per year. Mm -hmm. So he had two, the, the, the Catholic uh, calendar had 200 holidays, holy days. Mm -hmm. So this, is, this was the standard of living in, uh, in, late, in the late medieval Britain. Mm -hmm. And then what you had in, uh, we all know how it ended. I mean, uh, capitalism came on the scene, which started with the, with the founding of the Bank of England in 1694. So before the Bank of England was established in England, for instance, there was no interest-free currency and um, man was required to labor a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. 
because um, our standard of everybody's telling you that capitalism made us rich. What really happened is that we worked 15 weeks per year in 1500, yeah. and when Britain ruled the waves, when it was on the top of the, uh, as, a, as an empire, your forebears in Britain had to work 100 hours per week in the mines and the sweatshops, and often that was not enough. They had to bring their women and children as well. Yeah. So that's what really happened in capitalism. That's what capitalism really brought us. So, uh, and this and the capitalism. When you say capitalism, are you defining capitalism as being a function of usury? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, there are all sorts of silly definitions. Like I said, we're being manipulated with language, so they will tell you there are free markets in capitalism. We had free markets long before we had capitalism. We don't need capitalism for free markets. Um, you, you, they say it's a private control of the means of production, without telling you that it's a minute group of people that own the it's monopoly, isn't it? Uh, it's a total monopoly. Uh, Everything in, uh, in capitalism is organized in cartels and, and all these cartels are owned by the same people as well. So it's one mega monopoly mm -hmm. and it's this mega monopoly that is now tending to world government. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, um, so, so England had a, a you know, a long glorious, uh, interest-free period, which was, um, ended with the regicide. Yeah. of Charles I, the first and only time in English history that um, regicide, the killing of a king, has ever occurred because apparently Charles resisted attempts to yep. establish a usury-based bank, which eventually, upon his death, um, the Bank of England was created uh, after they brought over William of Orange from, from, yep. from the Netherlands. Thank you very much for that contribution <laughs> to English history. <laughs> right, and then uh, You're they, they established the, um, the Bank of England which was a usury-based banking system yeah, copied sure. from the Whistle Bank in, uh, in, in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah. And then that allowed the British Empire to do yeah. uh, it. That's, that's what basically started the British Empire because all these empires were, were run by, uh, by the bankers behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, you, you have this famous quote of uh, Rothschild, uh, I care not um, who's on the, the, what puppet sits on the throne of uh, England or whatever, uh, as long as I can make the money. So somebody, some says, As long as I control the money. Yeah, and that's and that's the way it is, and that's um, and that's how it was in Amsterdam before, because uh, that that was the first fully fledged capitalist empire. The Whistle Bank was the, the founder of the central yeah. bank system. That was that was the, the the core central bank at the heart of the Dutch economy, and uh, and that that was behind the uh, the VOC, which mm -hmm. was the um, which were uh, yeah you you had the the East Indies Company. We had the uh, we had something similar in Holland. The Dutch, yeah, what was it called? Yeah, it'll come back to me. Later. Yeah. Uh, you know, which uh, occupied Indonesia, and um, uh, then then the Bank of England was uh, was the, the 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 bank that you know brought capitalism all over the world. Later, it um, migrated to the United States, of course. And what you can clearly see, I mean, the British Empire was dominated by the city, and at the center of that, the Bank of England. And in uh, America, it's dominated by Wall Street, with at the heart there uh, the, F the Federal Reserve Bank. That's what controls the American economy, nothing else. And um, these banks, yeah, they, they, these are the imperialists. So, so if, if in the, the Florain uh, you have interest-free currency, but, you know, in the rest of uh, society or the world at large, we live amongst a usury-based currency. And, and previously it was the law that kept usury under control. Yeah. You know, which that law was, um, you know... Um, Thou shalt not take usury. Yeah, yeah. That's what the Bible says. You oh, will not take usury the with your brother. Didn't the Calvinists bring usury back into Christianity? Yeah, Calvin played a very negative role because he he said he said uh, I don't consider usury uh, forbidden among us. That's yeah. what Calvin said. And 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 then you had uh, Calvinism in Holland and Presbyterianism. But in a Britain. private agreement, if you agree to my terms, isn't that you know isn't that what we want? A, a, a private law rather than the government intervening or 
does usually need to be controlled by a third party, i.e. the government, in order to, to ban its use. How do we square the circle between wanting freedom to trade and needing yeah. muscle to uh, prevent the loan sharks? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. In, in Europe, there was usury prohibition, but there was no mechanism to provide interest-free credit. Mm. So this is what went wrong. And as a result, there was credit scarcity in the economy. And if you read the texts of these people like Calvin, but also a man like Francis Bacon, they very clearly point at this credit scarcity in the economy. So uh, what they should have done it was, was pull the savings of the working people and use that uh, to, to loan each other. Yeah, to loan that, that to each other interest-free. That's what they should have done, but uh, they didn't. They let in the moneylenders again. Mm -hmm. and, and this is how usury came back on the scene in Europe. First in, uh, in Italy, of course, uh, with the Renaissance, but, um, but later in Northern, Italy, of, uh, Northern Europe. And, um, but now we're a couple of hundred years later, mm -hmm. but, and this was really a very wrong path that the, the West uh, got into. But um, nowadays, there are several mechanisms with which you can create all the credit that you will ever need as a society mm -hmm. at cost price, which is really ultra low. Mm -hmm. So um, we can have... Uh, interest-free credit by bookkeeping. This is how we create money in the Florijn and, and the bank does it the same, basically, because this is really so yeah. easy to understand. If the banks create all the money interest, uh, you know, with bookkeeping... Why can't we? Why can't we? <laughs> and and also, uh, then, then we shouldn't solve that. Then the problem is not that they create money. The problem is that they make us pay th through our teeth yeah. for, for what's basically just a bookkeeping trick. It's amazing. So it's like, you know, people think, this is another, I, I spoke to uh, Richard Grannon about this in an interview I did with him, and uh, we were talking about money creation and stuff. And I haven't talked about these subjects for a long time, so it was good to, you know, warm up again. And um, I told him about the Bank of England, that the Bank of England is was nationalized in 1945. Yes. But yet the directors of the Bank of England are private. Yeah. So we don't know who the Bank of England directors are, yet yeah. it's a nationalized company. Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> and if the Bank of England is a nationalized company and it's creating our currency, why is it charging us interest? Yeah, crazy. And who is the interest going to? Yes. So why are we paying for our own money to be yeah. created by this yeah. company that's meant to be nationalized? What's, what's your take on that? I, I say excellent questions. Yeah. I would like an answer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be a okay. long time coming that one, I think. And the, only, and the only real answer is that people have not been paying attention. Yeah. Because this is the issue, you know. The, the bankers have ruled, the money lenders and the, and the money changers have been ruling humanity for thousands of years now. And the, 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 the reason why they get away with it is because people only think in terms of money, uh, in, in terms of how do I get more of it? Mm. How do I make it till the end but of the month? But that's because of scarcity, isn't it? It's scarcity, but it's also a lack of awareness. Yeah. So um, people don't realize what money is, that somebody creates it, that it's a, mm. a beast of the law, you know, and, and not, not some natural force. And, um, and, that, and that we can have a say in how it's created. Mm. And... Um, and this is and this is the challenge for humanity. We need to we need to get to come to terms with what money is. Mm -hmm. And the sim a very simple fact is that the money must be a means of exchange, which is as effective and cheap as possible, just as any other product. You know, you, every good tool is cheap mm. and it is good. Mm. And that is what we need of our money too. Mm. Our money now is insanely expensive. In the first place, we in in um, in we pay, we pay about ten to fifteen trillion per year in usury to the banks worldwide. Crazy, crazy amount of money. 
so that's and and that's that's only the usury. We also have these inflations and deflations. I'm the only one in 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 all the West who has ever tried to calculate what the damage of the credit crunch was, <laughs> and my superficial calculation uh, puts it at a 50 trillion in damages of the credit crunch. All these people should have been hung a long time ago. Mm-hmm. They're still in charge, yeah, and, yeah. and then this is because people don't—they simply don't get it. Mm. Well, it's—it's it's, it, 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 economics is probably the most unsexy subject of the lot. Is it that it—it's it, not alluring as such? It should be. It should be the most important subject of, the, of all. Yes. Because there was one uh, thing you said to me years ago, and uh, it always stuck with me, which was um, all policy is economic. So if you don't control the economic policy, you don't control any policy. No, because uh, the, the government are given a budget and each department is given a, a budget to manage. Ultimately, you can only do so much with what money you're given, isn't it? You know, So uh, that for me was like, okay, that was a really profound, insightful quote. And that until we have control over our money supply, as in the people who contribute to the money supply, the people who use their labor to create the currency to begin with, until we have control over that as a people, as a nation, you know, everything else is just like moving chairs around the Titanic. Totally, totally. And, and you know, these moneylenders raking all this dough, but it's not just that we're enslaved by this usury and we are total slaves of usury. Yeah? What we were just discussing about these working hours, that's very important to keep in mind. But it's also a huge windfall for them. So what they do they do with that? They start buying all these politicians. They start buying these uh, scientists, these media. They start floating these ridiculous ideologies to distract us. Mm. And then we start fighting among each other about, mm. about that stuff. Mm. And that does, that's all keeping our, our eyes off the ball. Yeah. And we need to refocus again. It's all about the money, always. Yeah, and I think you know, with usury, I think that there's a there's a cultural and a and a behavioural thing that is really important as well. It's because um, it brings out the worst in humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, because when we are when we're in a position of um, scarcity. Yeah, when we think we're in a situation where the resources that we require to survive or flourish are scarce, then the worst elements of our competitiveness come out or our worst vices can come out as well. For sure, for sure. Um, so by, with usury, I think a good analogy is, uh, is how they make diamonds scarce. You know, um, what's the name of that company? In, um, the beers. The beers, right. The beers sit on a mountain of diamonds and, and they're not inherently expensive or, or rare it's just that because they control the flow of the diamonds they give 90 percent off the market and the and the marketing makes it desirable yeah, yeah. with the fashionable rings and, yeah. uh, so they control they control um the the price of diamonds and i'd say that usury has the same effect over money for sure yeah and uh when we think money is scarce or if money is scarce then we fight each other harder, mm-hmm. you know, in order to get what we think we need. So I think not only does it have the effect, the social uh, economic effect of, you know, destroying our business and, and not allowing us to live in, um, you know, uh, uh, prosperity, it also affects peace, love and harmony. Totally, you know? totally. I mean, you have this famous film on the uh, on the internet, all wars are banker wars. And that's just a fact, you know, these mm-hmm. guys finance always both sides. And 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 there's always enough loans for for war. Mm-hmm. There's never enough enough loans for something nice for your family. You know, I mean, uh, you you don't get money for that. And you know, and there's a this is a very spiritual thing as well, uh, Lawrence. Yeah. Because let me, you, I don't want to uh, bother people with Christianity. I know it's not very popular at the moment, but uh, let me put it very bluntly. In Christianity, the law of Christianity is that you must love your brother like yourself, 
and gold with all your might. That's the law in Christianity. And the opposite of the law is the love of money is the root of all evil. That's a very famous so quote. The love of money is the love of money yeah. is, the, is the root of all evil. And Jesus uh, says, says at some point, uh, you cannot serve two masters because you will either serve uh, our father or you will serve mammon. And, and mammon is then uh, the materialist domain, the money domain. So these are really juxtaposed against each other, mm -hmm. the love of each other or the love of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, my colleague, Michael Hoffman, who wrote a famous book, Usury in Christendom in the United States, famous populist in the United States, he put it very brilliantly. He said, usury is the weaponization of the love of money. Mm. So the guys who love money, usury is how they get a lot of it. Mm, that's the tool they use, yeah. Usury usurps all the wealth. And this is another thing. Usury and usurpation, they are etymologically the same. Mm. So through usury, all the wealth of the world has been usurped. Mm. And with all the wealth, all the power. Mm. Because wealth and power are two sides of the same coin. Mm. You cannot be a slave and free at the same time. You cannot have a few scumbags walk away with the, with the, inter with, with the whole thing, right, really, because that's what we're facing now. And, uh, I think because yeah, that's, that's it, isn't it? Now, when we talk about freedom, and it can be cliched on it as well, right? And, and you know, well, what actually is freedom, really? What, what is it that we, 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 we mean when we say freedom? Well, we mean freedom from slavery. We don't mean freedom to do whatever we want to do. Exactly. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, it's, it's actually freedom from slavery. Yeah. And usury is one of the key tools and mechanisms totally. to enslave us. Because if you have to work two days a week to pay off the interest that doesn't exist, then you're not free, are you? At all. And, um, and, 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 and think about it like this, you know, usury is also the foundation of all making money with money, mm. all the unearned income. Yeah, because you know, uh, in capitalism, working is for suckers. Eh? I mean, uh, the, the the cool people they make money with money, but they say we make our money work for us. Mm. Have you ever seen money work? No, no, eh? no. Mm. It's just a mechanism for us to work, and they rake it all in. Mm -hmm. Passive income, passive income, unearned income, yeah. and um, the richer you are, the higher your income is. Yeah. Because if you have a, a million, you make fifty thousand per year. If you have a billion, you already make fifty million a year. Yeah. If you have a trillion, and we have people who have a trillion, you already make fifty billion per year in usury and unearned income. Yeah. It's always five percent, something like that. So they, it's not in their interest to end usury ever, is it? Because At that's all. the ultimate mechanism for them to become rich and stay rich. Yeah, yeah. and they, they've they've conquered the entire place with it. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And uh, what we've been doing because we've been pretty stupid we've been there looking oh we need to get rich as well so that we can also make money with money but isn't 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 living in this world in this society that you know resources are scarce or so we're told you know we have to compete with our fellow man in order to elevate ourselves from various positions of poverty do we have to compete at some level at least why this is while this is the system you know until we can create a utopian uh a utopian ideal of an interest-free society where the currency is, is made for and by the people, what do we do? Yeah, well, there are two things. In the first place, you need to be, become a little uh, less uh, self-obsessed, you know. Um, it's, 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 it's one thing to say, okay, I want to elevate myself from poverty. That's all good and dandy. But there are certain rules that you need to abide uh, with because it's, it's not just forbidden for bankers to take usury. It's also forbidden for all of us. Yeah. And the, the, the Quran says very simply, uh, a man who takes usury is at war with God. Mm. You can you can dislike Islam. I don't care about that. The Bible says exactly the same thing. So usury is 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 a war of God, a war of uh, an act of war against your brother and 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 uh, the Creator. A so, sin that cries to heaven for vengeance. It's called, isn't it? Yeah, and and at, at some point we we'll, we all have to report upstairs. Hmm. 
And, and if you're then saying, oh, well, I had a good time taking usury, mm. that's not something that's going to get you very far up there. So uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind. Yes. And, um, and, and, and there's also, a, even if you, if you don't buy all this stuff, you know, in the, uh, the, the spiritual stuff, it's, it's also about uh, if, you're, if you're a warrior, if you see what's going on, um, focus less on um, becoming rich because that's really a very low purpose, a really very carnal purpose that doesn't make a very much of an impression with, with the likes of me anyway. Uh, how are you going to help your fellow man? How are, you, how are you going to help reform this system, which is purely predatory instead of trying to share in it? Mm. This, is, this system is against everything and everybody you love. Do not partake in it because because the scarcity is is a is a false idea. There's an abundance out there, isn't there? There really is an abundance. It's just that it's hoarded amongst yeah. this tiny cabal of people, totally. so that we can't get our hands on it or get near it, and totally. that creates this bullshit scarcity that we're fighting against. The problem of unearned income is there is no production associated with it. It's only a, a redistribution of wealth. So the, these these people who who, who make the most money. They add nothing to society. Mm. If everybody just uh, uh, consumes what he produces, everybody will be in an affluent position. The, and and then, you know, uh, economics, like you said, is a very soulless uh, science. It's, it's more politics than science anyway. But um, one of the reasons is because they define economics as how do you deal with scarce resources? If you, if you look uh, at what is economics from an interest-free economics perspective, it is how do we share the abundance of nature in a decent way among each other. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's totally upside down. There is abundance. Mm -hmm. We can create everything we want. What we what we Mahatma Gandhi Mahatma Gandhi to say Gandhi to <laughs> say Gandhi exactly. <laughs> he famously said, uh, "There is enough for everybody's needs, yeah. but there's not enough for everybody's greed." Yeah, and it's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, good good shout. Yeah, very good shout. Um, okay, um, so. Let's 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 talk up a little bit about um, political ideologies and um, ways to combat usually. Um, where I'm from, Liverpool, it's a socialist stronghold. Um, you could even go far to say it's a communist stronghold. And I uh, I booked a trend in Liverpool a few that I don't identify as a socialist. I maybe did when I was younger because I thought that was the the political vehicle in order to defeat the elite that seek to impose, you know, their will upon us or enslave us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as I've got older, I've learned more about communism and, you know, the, the dark side of it and stuff. Now, one of the main cultural ideas in society at the moment is that socialism and ca uh, communism is the opposition to capitalism. Mm -hmm. It's the only ideological opposition to capitalism. But as far as I'm aware, socialism doesn't deal with usury. Doesn't even talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. So would you say that's a, a false paradigm? What, what totally. are your thoughts on Marxism or Marx and socialism and communism as, a, as this, uh, you know, alternative? Yeah. So we are, we are getting programmed to think either you're for capitalism or you're for, yeah. and, and if you're not for capitalism, then you're a commie. And that, the way around as well. And, and, that, and that's what they're telling us. It's all crap because the bankers control both communism and capitalism. And it's like, and it's even worse. Capitalism, Marx this, uh, himself said this, capitalism is a revolutionary force that inexorably leads to communism. Mm -hmm. So if you hate communism, and if you have any sense you hate communism, then you must avoid capitalism. Because what happens? All the wealth comes in the hands of a very few people, and then they, they start consolidating this in the state. Mm. That's what they do. Mm. And um, 
Um, but isn't it isn't it better in the hands of the state than in the hands of the you know the the cartel capitalists? Not, not if the if the state is in in, in their hands, yeah. and it is because you know if the state has to borrow from the banker, so so the capitalists end up buying the state, which becomes the communist. Totally, <laughs> because you know the, these these bankers they lend to states. Yeah, and what happens when they lend to states? If if if, if you're the British state and you go to a banker to Rothschild and you say give me fifty billion more to keep this uh, show going, he will say oh that's grand, you know, but you know import a few hundred. Uh, a few hundred thousand more Africans, uh, teach your uh, uh, sons to become trannies, um, do this uh, sustainability crap. That's that's what they're telling the governments. Mm. And these are the uh, conditions um, under which you get these loans as a government being a government. Mm. The governments don't even want to do this. They're forced to do this because otherwise they don't get money from the bank. Yeah, that's interesting because um, that's one of the things I've read about um, BlackRock. We can probably talk about BlackRock in a minute. Is uh, BlackRock who uh, is run by Larry Fink. They own, you know, between four and 15% of most corporations in the world and have such a dominant role in the boardroom that Larry Fink will, you know, monthly or annually write a letter to the CEOs of all the companies that he has a stake in and say, um, he runs something called the ESG, which is Environmental uh, Sustainability Governance, right? And it's almost like a league table. Yeah, that the companies or the corporations that are influenced by BlackRock through shareholder control um, are judged by where they stand in the league table of the ESG. Now, because BlackRock gets interest-free money from the Fed, gets free money from the Fed as much as it wants, whenever it wants, them CEOs of those corporations, if they want a cheap loan off BlackRock via the Fed, then they have to comply with what Larry Fink wants them to do, which is what you've just described. And, you know, we see Pride Month at the moment, don't yep. we, where for one month, all these corporations... Woke capitalism. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, well, what's going on? But when you know that it's that these corporations are being um, persuaded to uh, comply with this policy, because yes. if they don't, they won't get the free money Absolutely. that usury has got control over yep. through the Fed and, and through BlackRock, you know. Absolutely. And you, another famous example is Mark Carney, is the uh, former boss of the Bank of England. Yeah, uh, he's now in charge of uh, for the central banking cartel in charge of um, sustainability agenda, mm -hmm. and he's also saying, uh, listen, if if you're a big corporation, if you want money, you need to go green. Mm. Yeah. Simple as that. So, so it's not it's not um, it's not a decision made by companies that is to do with productivity or even profitability. No, it's if you want more money to sustain the debt that yep. you've got to maintain your company, yep. you have to comply with our policy. Yep. Yeah. Now that's not capitalism, is it? It is cap. This is what capitalism is, yeah. actually. But this is not what people were mind but controlled to free market capitalism. The, 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 you know, we are we are we are, we are told that capitalism has something to do with free markets, but yeah. it's banking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to get rid of this idea that capitalism is somehow something good. Mm. So I want to go back to communism, though, because. Um, that, that seems to be a, a very dominant ideology uh, across the West at the moment, and it seems that a lot of a lot of our governments are socialist. For sure. And Marx himself said that democracy leads to socialism, yeah. and that socialism leads to communism. Mm -hmm. I feel as if we are in some kind of transition transitional well, stage from democracy to socialism, um, and um, you know we're sold this idea in the West that socialism offers a, you know, a counterpoint to capitalism. But I want to bring it back to that and how that ties in with 
you know, uh, WEF and the Great Reset and BlackRock, Vanguard, all these guys, you know, we were very, very, very rich, seem to be moving us towards some kind of a technocratic yes. uh, based socialist global rule. What are you, what's your take on that? Yeah, well, can only yeah. underwrite what you're saying. That, that's, that's what they're doing. And uh, the, the world state that is coming is going to be communist. And if you look at Agenda 2030, one of the things that will be done away with is private land holdings, for instance. Well, that's about as communist as it gets. Mm. And um, everything will be centralized in the world state. And uh, what's going to happen in the West is we're going to have a terrible depression. It's going to be completely... It, it, it's, I, I won't say it's going to be as bad as Deagle suggests. Mm -hmm. That's that's hard to believe, even for a very optimistic kind of guy <laughs> like myself. But uh, the the, the least that you can say of it is it's going to be something like the Soviet collapse. And if you know what happened there, what happened there, all the all these pensioners that had been working for the Soviet state for forty years, they ended up with nothing, and they froze to death in their apartments. Mm. Already now you hear that uh, that in Germany people will be going cold this winter already because of rising gas prices. But isn't that deliberate to clear out, you know, the, the useless eaters, yeah, as they like sure, to call it? Look, sure. look what happened during the pandemic. And in the nursing homes, Malazadam, I think yeah. it's called, you know, they, they were killed off. Yeah, you know, for sure. Thousands and thousands of people. Nobody talks about that. Nobody's outraged about, you know, mm -hmm. what they were doing, which is, you know, former genocide, mm -hmm. you know, and they were cleaning out the, the useless eaters, aren't they? You know, it's, it's, that, it's, and that was only just uh, a shot before the bow. What is coming is going to, it's going to hit the entire West. And what that will do is that, that that will prove to everybody that capitalism can't work. And and then and it can't work indeed. Eh? But we don't want, we, we don't really want to be able to say, I told you so, and uh, uh, everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's what they will be telling us. Yeah, well, look. Look what happens if you let capitalism go wild. Yeah. And then the, then, then they will, of course, say that the solution is capitalism is not interest-free credit, but uh, communism. Yeah. That, that is what they so will they'll use, the they'll use the They'll use the damage caused by capitalism yes. to usher in this new era yeah. of technocratic socialism, yes. um, which leads to yeah. communism. But uh, again, we all, you know, if you do... If, why do you think, why do you think that the working man, like... People of Liverpool who are working class people, you know, generally speaking, why, why do you think the working man across the world is so indoctrinated or is so intoxicated with socialism as this tool for our liberation? Well, let's face it. I mean, uh, if, you, if you're a, a chanceless wage slave mm. and, and you're working away 40 hours a week and for, for, for basically nothing, just enough money to pay the rent. And uh, let's face it, as a man in the West, you can't even support a woman anymore these days. Mm. So, so people would like to see something else. And also you saw this with the lockdown. You know, why was support, so much support for the lockdown? Because people hate the wage slavery. Mm. Nobody goes to his work because he likes it there or because he actually believes that he's doing something useful. Yeah. I mean, everybody understands that it's just I mean, there was shareholders rich. There was something beautiful about the lockdown, wasn't there? In the yeah. sense that, you know, we've seen uh, nature get a rest from humanity for a short period. There's no traffic, you know, it was peaceful. You didn't have to go to the wage slave office, like you said. So there was something about it that was yeah. quite peaceful. But the only way they were able to maintain the lockdown was to buy people's silence. Yeah. The furlough schemes with the billions they probably learned from the banks in order to shut people up while they said there was no work. For many people in the West, a basic income sounds very promising. Yeah. That's the brutal reality. And, and, and I mean, a universal basic income. Yeah, because that's where, they, where they're heading. Uh, with this, um, uh, Kerry Bolton talks about the universal basic income as being a traditional tool that governments have used to combat usury. That in some instances, it's been positive. Listen, I'm not against giving a, a people a small handout just to survive because it's much better than having them die in the streets. Yeah. But uh, we, we, we must realize that it's all about making people dependent on government. Yeah. And also that it's just uh, basically um, 
uh, a small handout for people who have been disowned from everything. Mm -hmm. If you have a usury-free economy in which you can support your family with 15 weeks per year, and then which also uh, most men will work for themselves because that was also the reality in 1500. What uh, wage slavery that we have now is a function of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And uh, before, uh, before, before capitalism, men worked for themselves. They were small farmers. They were craftsmen. That's how they survived. And they worked 15 weeks per year. They were the owner of their own home. They were the owner of their own tools, of their own workshop. Nowadays, people own shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, 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 they... Well, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. But most people already <laughs> own nothing, <laughs> you know? So yeah. the, the middle class is now uh, complaining, but mm -hmm. the, the, the brutal reality is that the, that the middle class has, has for uh, decades and centuries defended the plutocrats who were oppressing the working poor. Mm. So the middle class also has a bit of soul searching to do in the in this on this one, and and it's now the middle class that is going to get disowned, and now they start complaining, mm. but you know the working class has been complaining for centuries already. And no one's listened. Yeah. Nobody has listened. Yeah, but see, I think that's one of the reasons why um, Marx has been so successful in uh, you know garnering the attention of the working classes because it felt like for the first time. There was an opportunity that there was a vehicle, an ideology, yeah. a system that enabled us to take back what was stolen from us. However, like, you know, Orwell, you know, brilliantly depicts an animal farm at the truth. The reality of that is, uh, is, is far apart. Communism but, does nothing for the working but, man. But I've heard, sold I've, as such. I've heard the, 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 you know, the statement that Marx was right about his analysis of yes. capitalism, but the tactics he, um, you know, he, um, endorsed for reaching the overthrow of capitalism, you know, revolution, mass murder, you know, genocide. Collectivization. But what do you think about the idea that Marx was right about capitalism? In terms of the entrepreneurial part of it, that's absolutely correct. And how the uh, the bourgeoisie uh, suppressed the working class, That's that's that was absolutely 100% on target. Yeah. And then his uh, solution was to collectivize everything in the state. So that's that's cancer. Mm. But um, the, the key thing that Marx made away is that ultimately all the possessing classes in society ultimately are controlled by usury because landlords are suppressed with mortgages. Mm. Uh, businesses need business loans, mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, Everything is on the inflation or deflationary cycle, isn't it? You know? Absolutely. And they all need cash from the bank. Yeah. So, so at the top of the food chain, there's always usury. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is what Marx ignored. And if you don't see that the top is usury, then you can also not understand that interest-free credit is the, is the solution. Well, why would he, for, for a man that spent his life in the British Library, you know, researching and writing his, his uh, magnus opus on, uh, you know, uh, economics, for a man who wasn't an economist, how did he overlook usury? It's the elephants in the room. Yeah, okay. I always say that Marx was a ghostwriter for Rothschild. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Okay, that answers the question then, doesn't yeah. it, quite simply? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's just the way it is. These people, uh, you know, so they first rob you blind, mm -hmm. and then they give you the so-called solution. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did with communism. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's the ultimate controlled opposition. Totally. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and and they have us by the ball so strongly, you know. Mm. For, for, like I said, first they rob you blind, mm. and then they also tell you what you want to do about it. I mean, and and, and this is what we need to escape from. Because, you know, Marxism as a cultural as a cultural um, um, weapon is seems to be quite pronounced. And we're feeling, you know, a lot of the you know, worst parts of this society we're in now appears to be a push from the cultural Marxists, whatever that really is. But the economy is more Keynesian rather than Marxist yes. in that Keynes promoted 
you know, inflation as the solution to all economies' problems. Um, would that be called neoliberalism rather than a Marxist doctrine? Um, you know what what, what neoliberalism really was was this. Uh, like I said, this this death growth, uh, death death and death growth. Yeah. Um, is, it goes like this, mm -hmm. and uh, in the beginning, it's just um, because you must understand that if you have higher debt, you have more interest payments, and the, and the, the percentage of GDP that goes to interest payments starts growing. Yeah. So um, in, in in the early stages, it was hard to see, but uh, in the late seventies, early eighties, it it already began to really bite mm. uh, in 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 GDP. So a large larger and larger part of GDP was going to, to usury and other forms of unearned income. So that's where all these. Um, rationalizations in government budgets started coming from and why wages in uh, in the West have been starting to get suppressed. What you have been seeing in the neoliberalism because of this debt growth and because of the the percentage of uh, the GDP that goes to unearned income has been growing, mm -hmm. a, a smaller and smaller percentage of GDP remain for labor basically so uh, mm. and that and that's what you what you have with neoliberalism. So neoliberalism was about keeping this going as long as yeah. possible. Yeah the inflation. Yeah the inflation. Yeah. 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 So, so, cause that's, that, that's, you know, I only learned about Keynes recently, you know, uh, last 12 months or so. And so I always thought it was a, a Marxist economy, but it's not, it's a Keynes or Keynesian mm. economy, isn't yes. it? Yep. Yeah. And that's the main driver of, uh, economic policy in, in the West. Yeah. Um, and, um, not much is, you know, there's talked about that really, is it? And you, you get a lot of, um, people on the libertarian side of things like, um, Safadine Amus, I think is a brilliant speaker and he is a, a libertarian. He is an anarchist. Um, he is a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah. And he speaks a lot of sense, right? Yeah. And he exposes the history of central banking like you do. Mm -hmm. Um, he doesn't talk about usually, or maybe yeah. he does with a, in a coded manner. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's dangerous. And, um, he is making a lot of noise at the moment and he did a, he did a podcast with Lex Friedman. Have you heard of him? No. Big podcaster, like Joe Rogan, different style, bit more of a nerd than Joe Rogan, but he had, um, Safadine Amus on recently and it was a four hour podcast. It was the longest podcast I've ever seen other than Joe Rogan's with Alex Jones. <laughs> right. So it was a bit more serious than an Alex Jones podcast, but, um, he went through the whole, you know, whole nine yards. He went through, he's an Austrian economist yeah. and he went through, uh, understanding Austrian uh, economics, which he explains quite well. And he talks about Menger and, uh, Mise and, uh, um, Hans Hermann Hoppe, who I really like. Mm -hmm. What do you think of him? Yeah, you again, know, he's an Austrian, so he's a, he's, a, he's a, one of the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, one of the main purposes of my blog has been exposing the coming new gold standard and uh, libertarianism and Austrian economics. Okay. Obviously, okay. Has high interest in in promoting gold as currency and also in deflation, which mm -hmm. is just another banker device. And um, uh, this has been a big concern of mine, and I have had a massive. Uh, uh, polemics with uh, with the libertarians okay. in 2012 to 2014 or thereabouts, which had a huge impact in, in the truth movement at the right. time, because I was exposing yeah. the problems of Austrianism. Because you, we're, we're sick and tired of this fiat system, but then the inflation of the fiat system, according to Austrianism, has to be solved with with deflation, mm -hmm. which is total cancer. I've just explained to you that the Great Depression was a, was a total deflation, and we're heading for deflation, and it's going to be genocidal. So uh, Austrian economics 
sells us a banker solution and uh, and this is very painful and and the key thing about uh, austrian economics is that it Everything is explained away with the free market. If there's a free market, it's all going to be grand. But what they ignore is that the filthy rich will always have huge power in the market. Mm -hmm. And all these monopolies, they are not a function of the state. They're a function of plutocracy and of, of huge um, uh, market power by the rich. And also, key, these unearned income schemes, mm -hmm. landlordism, usury, that's all fine in the view of Austrian economics. They all see, they, they see all the, that this will so-called all go away in the free market. It will not go away in the free market. If we don't have interest-free credit, you will have unearned income in the economy. And that's what we need to get rid of. And Austrianism not only ignores it, it, it defends it. Okay, that's, that's going to be an interesting debate that I'd love to host sometime. Yeah, so any yeah, Austrians I'm, out there, you know, I'm, ready for I'm, I'm up for being, a, you know, an impartial uh, um, host. Um, but what I, what I was getting to with that um, talk about Safadina Moose mm -hmm. is that he is, uh, you know, a really good advocate. Yeah, I, I like the, what, what he talks about and I think he's a genuine guy. I don't think he's trying to, you know, manipulate mm. anyone. I think he's, you know, he believes what he says. Yeah, fair enough, um, fair enough. And um, he's a big advocate of Bitcoin and we haven't touched upon crypto yet. Yeah. I feel as if, you know, now is the time. Yeah. Right? Um, so we're currently seeing a huge crisis in the crypto sphere yes. because we've seen a, a collapse of Bitcoin and because every other crypto is pegged to Bitcoin, yeah. Everything else has collapsed yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've held a bit of Bitcoin myself. Yeah. I feel as if I'm holding the bags right now. Yeah, right? I got and burned. I got, yeah. Well, I'm not burned because you don't know, get burned when you sell, don't you? You know. Mm -hmm. right? So, so uh, I'm holding a bit of Bitcoin at the moment and uh, I'm going to have to uh, uh, avoid the charts for the next uh, few months. Um, so what's your take on, I think, another hot topic other than inflation Yeah. right now is the crypto crisis. First of all, why do you think Bitcoin has collapsed in the dramatic manner it has over the last couple of weeks. And what are your thoughts on crypto, at least as a store of value? Well, in the first place, crypto started rising in uh, the aftermath of the money printing in September, in March 2020. So if you look at the chart of Bitcoin, you I think it was maybe at 20k uh, two years ago, and then it started ri rising dramatically. And this was simply because there was huge money printing by the Federal Reserve. So why did that? Why did the money printing at the Federal Reserve mean that Bitcoin price went up because more people were buying it? Because it was a speculative asset and uh, it's in the financial economy. So um, when there's money printing, part of that money goes into uh, goes into crypto. Yeah. And that's what happened. It exploded in price, went up to 60, 60K, 67, I think it was at some point, 67K for, uh, for a Bitcoin. And then the Federal Reserve stopped printing money, which was about, uh, say, mid-2021. Um, and, and then slowly uh, the deflationary forces in the economy came back and this started especially to bite late 2021. And that's when you see that all paper assets started declining because the Federal Reserve had stopped inflating and was now deflating. They were now tapering and they were now raising interest rates. And what you see is that um, Bitcoin has proven not to be a hedge for these circumstances. Bitcoin has shared in the decline of all the paper uh, assets, of all the... Uh, financial assets in the economy. So Cause that's what we were told with Bitcoin, wasn't it? Is that if you if you buy Bitcoin, then you hold it like savings. And traditionally, savings before the introduction of usury or of inflation maintain their value. Mm -hmm. So when you wanted to uh, liquidate your savings, it was worth the same as what it was yeah. when you originally bought it, because otherwise it wouldn't be useful as savings, would it? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so we're told that Bitcoin 
had that function. It had the ability to be a savings device more than anything else, not a um, unit of trade. Yeah. Um, for well, yeah, you, you say that now about this, uh, not this unit of trade, but originally yeah. it was presented as a new means of exchange, a new form of money. But Austrianism and libertarianism, they see money primarily as a store of value. Yeah. Interest-free economics says money is a means of exchange, full stop. Okay. We're not interested in a store of value in interest-free economics. And most certainly not in speculating with the, with the store of value. Because okay, so let me just stop you there. So if, if interest-free economics is a medium of exchange only, yeah. What in an interest-free economic system? What do people do for investments and savings? Yeah. So you know, there is a very legitimate uh, desire to uh, have value now and not consume it immediately, but consume it in the future. That's 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 the core. Me, the, what you what you really the human desire, for. isn't it? Yeah. To store something for a rainy day. Yeah. So that's that, so that's but what. When it goes wrong is when you start saving money because money is a means of exchange yeah. and the store of value and means of exchange are very uh, opposite functions okay. and they're uh, they're opposed because the simple fact is if I hoard uh, a unit it can no longer circulate in the local economy yeah. it's as simple as that so either you have a good circulating means of exchange or you have a good store of value you can't have both okay so if you don't have both and you separate those functions yeah what, what would you recommend yeah. as the store of value? so so if you have an interest-free economy with a highly effective ultra cheap means of exchange mm -hmm. um including interest-free credit what you use the money for is to buy stuff that does have value because the means of exchange in itself is is, is worthless. It's just a means of exchange. It has no intrinsic value, but you can buy stuff that does have value. So your home, your your workshop, the tools that you use for your for your trade, that's what you invest your money in. Mm -hmm. And um, you can later liquidate that. For instance, if you retire, you can sell your workshop. Or even, uh, this is real assets. This is what, what I'm talking about now represents real assets. And that can be used as collateral for loans, for interest-free loans. So if you, if you need cash, you can do th two things, either liquidate or use it as collateral for a loan. And that's how you transfer wealth to the future in an interest-free economy. Because um, the Austrians, at least, say that money is an asset and that you should be able to rent out money yeah. as you do other assets. Yeah, if I rent out a house, I can get a fee for it, and that's how I you know, secure my investment. So what, what are your thoughts on renting out money as an asset? That's, that's anathema and interest-free economics. You can, you, you must produce if you want income. Yeah. Not rent seeking. But that's, isn't that just an ideology rather than, an, no, if you no. were a pragmatist, right? No, you no, didn't no. care about ideology, you know. This is not ideology. The yeah. simple fact of the matter is that in this world, we must produce to eat. Yeah. Nobody can deny this. Yeah. And what we need in a society is that everybody puts in his share of the effort required. We cannot have a few dudes sitting there on the side playing the, the, big, uh, the, the big sirs and the big barons and what have you, doing nothing, adding no value, but raking it all in with usury and, uh, and, and land rents. Mm -hmm. That's what we cannot have. That's what we call parasitism yeah. and lazy people. We don't like them. Everybody must do his share. And that's not ideology. That's just basic common sense. So, so in an interest-free economy, renting money for a fee would be outlawed. Well, not really outlawed because that's what we had in the medieval era. But nowadays we have interest-free credit and it's very simple. In the future, you will have a choice. Either you go to a bank for a loan at 5% or you go to an interest-free credit facility at 0%. It's a no-brainer, no isn't it? <laughs>
I think most people will get that right there, Lawrence. But what about, um, you know, what about if people don't pay it back? It's very simple. I mean, uh, there's a contract. It's a serious loan. It's not charity. Yeah. It's it's business. Mm -hmm. If you don't pay back, we liquidate your collateral. Yeah. So you, so it's a secured loan. It's a secure for the bigger loans yeah. for mortgages, etc. There's always collateral. Otherwise, we can't do the loan. I see. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I, I think we've kind of exhausted the uh, the the interest-free uh, angle. Uh, is there anything else that you want to uh, you want to talk about? Yeah, there's one thing I want to talk about because, uh, you know, everybody's obsessed with the Great Reset. Okay, yeah, that's a great subject, yeah. Yeah, okay. so, uh, and I have my um, my framing of that. and um, Seem, Everyone seems to be quite obsessed with this topic now, don't they? Yeah. It's a really hot button, yeah. you know, and uh, Klaus Schwab and his um, fantastic um, costumes doesn't make it yeah. any easier. <laughs> <laughs> These guys came on the scene two years ago suddenly, and uh, obviously everybody was freaking out. You will own nothing, and uh, and you'll be happy, etc. This bullshit, and uh, how you, everybody needs to stay home and uh, work online, you know, and and, and chill books, sleep in a pod. This is the uh, great reset that they're promoting, and 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 what this is all about is people having nothing, <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, uh, being happy about it. Apparently, the the the, the first part is. Clear, you will have nothing. That's for sure. <laughs> but the, the, the happy part, I'm not too sure about. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I th what I think is interesting is that uh, in the first place, this World Economic Forum. This came into my attention only recently. The, the World Economic Forum was founded in 1971, mm -hmm. and there was another famous event in 71, namely the closing of the gold window and uh. the start of fiat system. And this is very interesting because not only did the world economic... So in 1971, we ended the gold standard and entered totally into a fiat, yes. which is backed by nothing. Yes, and that's when the, the debt growth started. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the debt bubble is at its peak yeah. and, and starts leaking and they need massive money printing to keep it going, yeah. then suddenly Klaus Schwab is there with his great reset. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the the, for some, for the 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 World Economic Forum seems very closely related to the fiat system, mm -hmm. and the the debt bubble can end in two ways. It can end in a in a crazy inflation by keeping going, going, going as long as possible. That will end in a crazy inflation, or it can be stopped and it will end in a deflation. Both are fine for the bankers. And what I say is that there are two factions: the the one promoting inflation, and that's the Great Reset, or what is coming, deflation, and I'm pretty sure now that the Great Reset is failing, mm. and I think it was designed to fail. Uh, the the intention was always what is going to happen, which is deflation. But um, re and, and and I have had this impression from the beginning for the very, very simple reason that um, Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates are not very believable saviors. No, you know, mm. they're, they're more caricatures, more freaky. You know, boom-like villains. Eh? So, um, I mean, they they literally look like somebody has has created their characterization in Hollywood, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's so uh, cliche. They're yeah. just creepy. Eh? Yeah. So uh, no, nobody's going to follow these guys. No. So uh, they're, they're more like good to scare people. Yeah. Know? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> if we continue this, it's going to be the great great reset with uh, Uncle Bill and Uncle Claus. Uh, that that's not that's not what we want. So, uh, so do you think it's a distraction? Yeah, I think they, the, the main purpose was scaring people in, into the desired direction. Mm. Because uh, I think the, the World Economic Forum is about infl keeping the inflation going. And um, they're failing. You can see everywhere that people like Justin Trudeau here in, in Holland, Mark Rutte, uh, Macron, uh, not to mention uh, Uncle Joe in, uh, in the United States. 
These people are loathed. They're despised. despised. There's no I, I support whatsoever any, for what they're saying. I don't think any one of them has actually won a democratic election. Absolutely. I think it's all rigged. It's all totally, totally fixed, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the, the uh, elections in Holland were also fixed. Yeah. Um, in France, it was just on TV, just as with Trump. You, you, you saw that Le Pen had less million votes and, and, and that Macron had 8 million and suddenly yeah. had, he had also 11 million. It yeah. was just on TV. Yeah. And it was the same with Trump. You know, his, his mega victory was on TV in Germany. So everybody saw that Trump won, Le Pen won. Uh, here in Holland, we also have populist opposition that, that got far too few uh, mm. seats in, in Parliament. So this is going to get exposed at some mm. point. And, and, you know, you can also predict when it will happen. Because um, we've been hearing about these cyber attacks. Yeah. Or is it again, Polygon, Project Polygon? Yeah. yeah. And uh, these are, uh, there, there have been a couple, a couple of exercises for these cyber attacks, a couple of them in, in Zion, in, um, in Tel Aviv, and uh, under the auspices of uh, the World Economic Forum. And uh, the um, result of this cyber attack scenario was that um, the banks in Wall Street would have to merge to fend off these cyber attacks, so-called. Yeah, consolidate the monopoly. Consolidating the monopoly, but especially also these banks have to be merged because they are broke. Uh, the banks are broke because it's very... How can they be broke if they create money out of thin air? Yeah, well, you know, they create money to lend it to us. Yeah. But now they have created this mega bu debt bubble and it can never be repaid. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Mm. And this was also always the intent, let there be no doubt, because the, 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 the banks are going to fail in the years ahead and, the, and they will use that to consolidate everything in the state eh, because they want communism. But, um, but this is why the banks are bankrupt, because we can't pay. Because mm -hmm. um, that's all, they lend it on the strength of the ability of the government to reclaim it from the people through taxes, through other bullshit means that they yeah. use to extort the people, which is ultimately our labour, isn't it? That's all we... Yeah. The only thing that provides any wealth in this world is our totally. labour. Yeah. Totally. And totally. their entire system is an elaborate ruse to take our labour from us that, one way or another. That's the sole purpose of the financial system. Yeah. And um, and this about the, the failing great resets, it's not just me that's saying this. Uh, the other day, Mr. Vladimir Putin mm -hmm. uh, came out with an interview and he said that he expects a change of elites in the West mm. in the short term. So uh, A change of leaders. Il yeah, of elites. Of elites, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But uh, he, basically, he literally said that he expected rightist and populist governments to take over power in the West. Mm. I mean, that's been threatened for the last 10, 15 years, but it seems that the control they have over the ballot box, um, even in the desperate ways they are displaying it, because rigging elections in the way they're doing it, it's so obvious, yes. isn't it? So that means that, excuse me, that means that they're desperate if they're going to be so obvious about the crimes that they're committing. It, it, it kind of implies that, you know, the grip over power is not as... Um, all-compassing as it appears to be. It feels like maybe, uh, you know... I, I take even a grimmer view of that because, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you know this is... He must be a great guy in party. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, we will win. Let there be no doubt. But it's going to be a bloodbath. Okay. <laughs> But, um, you know, and, and you know this as well as I do, that there, there is no left and right. Of course, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, bullshit. Yeah. It's all... I mean, populism, I wouldn't know whether I'd define that as left real, or right. Real populism yeah. is true. It's from the people, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but, but the, the populist leaders that we have all support banking. Yeah. 
that's a simple yeah. fact. Trump is not going to do anything. No, no, of course not. No. no, but not just that. He, you know, he, he enriched them further, didn't he, yeah, Jordan? Is right? Yeah. All these mega bailouts started under Trump. That's also something that people ignore. But all the money was printed under Trump, and mm. the media did not attack him even once about it. That's mm. also something to think about. Yeah. So um, normally speaking, they, they should have, you know, everything should have been about the money printing. But there was not even a line written about but the money didn't, printing. Didn't Trump make some noise? about um auditing the fed and didn't he you know jerome powell wasn't he in like a, a break in the normal um you know uh, recruitment of a, a so-called fed. so-called but what what what, what, what did he change yeah nothing yeah totally nothing yeah but but but, but do you think though that it was uh, rather than trump being you know just another patsy is that by saying things like audit the fed and putting jerome jerome powell in place does that not imply that he attempted to do the right thing, but was defeated in an internal coup? The petrodollar is now imploding, and the Federal Reserve um, presided over the debt bubble, mm-hmm. and uh, it's basically end of life for the Fed. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, in, 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 with these cyber attacks, that there's going to be a huge cleanup, mm. or at any rate, a supposed cleanup. Uh, with, Do you think the cyber attacks have any influence over the current crypto crisis? Do you think there's a, a market manipulation going on there? Because it's funny, isn't it, that you know Uncle Klaus warns us about um, the pandemic, and then the pandemic comes, and he conveniently has a book called uh, COVID nineteen: The Great Reset, mm. you know, just in time. And then he warns us about uh, Project Polygon, which is the cyber attacks. Then all of a sudden, we start seeing. Cyber attacks. This man seems to have more vision than Jesus Christ. You know what's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know if you if you make the plans yourself, then it's easy to predict them. Eh? So uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's not so hard. Write the it? script yourself. That's probably the key, isn't it? And and you know these central bankers themselves, John Powell and Christine Lagarde, they they literally tell us in our face, "Oh no, financial crisis. That's not going to happen in our lifetime again." But cyber attacks. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main threat of the financial system, and that's simply the, the, what what what's going on is this debt, this debt bubble is is, is simply imploding. Mm. That's why they needed to start printing money. Mm. They can't really maintain that, so they have to f- to, to fix that. So so are they going to fix the debt bubble by um, using a cyber hack to yeah. wipe out the debt? Well, at any rate, there uh, sounds they're, like a good idea to me. <laughs> they're, they're, it's it's going to be to give them the excuse to clean up. You know, to, to write off certain uh, debts and, and to, to to wheel in the new monetary system because that's what's going to happen. And to shotgun uh, marry some uh, of these biggest banks. And and let, let there be no doubt, it's going to be the biggest banks in Wall Street that are going to be broke. But you know, this new monetary system that you uh, just mentioned then, which we haven't really discussed, is um, one of the things that is coming through the culture at the moment and through the media is this idea that part of the motivation of the pandemic was to um, defeat cash as a medium of exchange and um, to introduce government-backed cryptocurrencies in which the actual credit yes. was con- was programmed so that you can only spend it on whatever's authorized yeah. by the government to use that credit for. Is that the new currency that you're that's what, what you're now talking about the central bank digital currencies yeah and that's where, where we also can uh, go back to uh, crypto because let me let me give you my basic critique of crypto and especially bitcoin being the main crypto because it's not all not all cryptos are the same and are you can use blockchain to create decent currencies mm-hmm. but bitcoin is associated with mindless speculation mm-hmm. and it's really very simple you cannot fix banking with mindless speculation i mean that people can even buy into this is is crazy in my view, but uh, that's what happened. Secondly, um, 
Bitcoin cannot provide interest-free credit. Mm. And we've already said that the only solution to usury is interest-free mm. credit. So Bitcoin is, 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 is simply not going to work out. It's as simple as that. But what did Bitcoin do? It created a cashless electronic currency, which is in many, respect, in many respects quite reminiscent mm. of what they have in mind with the central bank digital currency. And of course, the naive people will tell you, oh, the central bankers have learned from Bitcoin. Mm. I'm not a naive person in that respect. I've uh, studied banking for a long while already now. So already in 2014, I wrote an article, Bitcoin is paving the way for a global cashless society. Catherine, um, Catherine Fitz, oh, I forget her name. Catherine Olson Fitz. Yeah, shouldn't she have a similar position as that? I'm not too sure what she says about crypto, but she she's very that. critical about uh, central bank digital coins, of course. So uh, she, she says that about um, Bitcoin is your uh, is your prison. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I think it's a similar angle. I didn't read the article, but I read the headline. But you know, yeah, keep but going. The, the 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 fact of the matter is, they created the blockchain, and, and let me also say this: blockchain is all about uh, so-called transparent um, registration of everything, mm. and that is really very Agenda 2030. Mm. That everything, means everything that you, you register is on the public blockchain, doesn't it? Uh, Your health records. Everything is going to be registered and can therefore be data mined and mm. be used and to, to control everything, mm. because that's why you want to register everything, so you can start controlling everything. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, why it's so very Agenda 2030. So this whole crypto scene, mm. um, you know, and, 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 and let me put a very clearly here i'm not looking to for uh, for uh, to, to quibble with bitcoiners yeah. because the bitcoiners the most bitcoiners are out there because they want something against banking yeah, yeah you know? so course. they have a very positive intention yeah but they get they get you know manipulated with all these ideologies and uh i'm here to, to explain how it how it really works but i'm not here to uh, alienate these people mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just here to to explain what we do need and what we actually need is interest-free economics no speculation and only income through either entrepreneurship or, or ordinary labor. Mm. And, th and that's a decent form of income and not all this making money with money tribe and, and certainly not speculation and usury and all this stuff. Okay, fantastic. Um, so we're coming to the, uh, the end now because uh, I'm running out of battery on my phone. Okay. <laughs> that, well, uh, this is a, a, an impromptu setup that we've done outdoors. I haven't done a podcast outdoors before and we're, you know, we've, we've just made a system work and um, it, it's been a uh, fantastic chatting to you, Anthony, amazing meeting you. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, like but where can people find you online if uh, they want to hunt you out? Realcurrencies.wordpress.com and uh, for the Florijn, www.betalenmetflorijn.nl. But that's Dutch, so that's only interesting for the Dutch uh, listeners. Yeah. But uh, What about, um, have you got any social media? Uh, Twitter, but I mostly tweet in Dutch these days. Okay, so. okay. okay um, Okay, cool. Um, well, you know, it's been fantastic and I hope to come out to uh, Belgium and Netherlands again and we can, you know, continue this conversation. Looking forward to it already. Yeah. Um, have you got any last words that you want to say to our audience before we wrap it up? Yes. Uh, the Great Reset is not going to be it. It's going to fail. And uh, what, uh, what they want us to do is celebrate this failure and uh, hope that uh, we, fall, we will fall for what they are actually planning because what is coming is what, they, what is their real plan. And uh, with the coming cyber attacks and with the coming doing away with the Great Reset, uh, they will install some sort of a gold standard in whatever, whatever way, uh, shape or form. And, uh, and this will start this terrible deflation that mm -hmm. we are facing. And, and what we really need in the local economy is local currencies, interest-free currencies, so that, as you said perfectly, so we can bring in new liquidity in the local economy. That's, that's what we really need. Don't celebrate the death of the Great Reset because 
this is only going to be replaced with their real plan. Okay. Anthony, it's been a fantastic um, time speaking to you and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon.